Well, welcome, each one of you. Man, so good. And welcome in the overflow area, and welcome online. Man, we're so thankful, so thankful to have everybody here. Um, Ray Steadman, the late pastor and author, has a great statement to get us going this morning. Look at this. When you begin to move with God to change things in your life for the better, you will find you are first met with derision, and if you keep persisting, someone is going to get very upset with you and attack you in a vicious, perhaps physical way. It's the way of opposition. It's just part of it. Former heavyweight boxer James Quick Tillis, you may have heard of that name before. He was a cowboy from Oklahoma, and he fought in Chicago in the early 1980s. He remembered the first time he was in the Windy City after arriving from Tulsa. He said, I got off the bus with two cardboard suitcases under my arms in downtown Chicago, and I stopped in front of the Sears Tower. He said, I put my suitcases down, and I looked up at that tower, and I said to myself, I'm going to conquer Chicago. And he said, when I looked down, my suitcases were gone. <laughs> it's the way of opposition. Opposition is just an unavoidable experience that we will have on planet Earth. And it's one of the reasons this ancient document is so valuable. You've got your phones, you want to open your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah not only shows us what to expect from opposition, he also provides tried and true responses to opposition. Now, we were first introduced to Nehemiah's opposition back in chapter 2. It was coming from the governors whose land adjoined Judah. Look, when the Persian Empire was in control, the king put various governors over certain areas. They were in charge as long as they continued to pay taxes and were loyal to the Persian Empire. Now, for over a century, the Jews in Judah existed with no power. They were in a conquered land whose capital city, Jerusalem, lay in ruins. And the adjoining governors had decade upon decade of positional superiority to the Israelites. But here came Nehemiah. And he comes with the royal Persian cavalry escort right through those governor's lands. And he's carrying official letters from the emperor himself and the authority and the resources to rebuild this capital city of the Jews. Now, this would be an immediate power shift from away, away from the governing uh, people of those surrounding areas. And it would be putting it right in the lap of the, Jude of the Judeans. But there was much more going on besides just this earthly political shift. The spiritual scene was radically changing too because Jerusalem was God's holy city. And the people of Israel were God's holy people. So the prospect of this city and nation being restored with God as their protector and leader well, that was a world threat, and it was a huge threat to these little governors in the little places around the land of Israel. Now, today, 
that same threat to the forces of evil exists from the church, from the believers in Jesus, from the disciples of Christ. Opposition, opposition is the name of the game while we're here on earth. And the disciples of Jesus wanted to make sure that those who were becoming followers understood that. Look how one guy put it. Look at this. He says, I want to remind you that your strength must come from the Lord's mighty power within you. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand safe against all strategies and tricks of Satan. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood but against persons with bodies, the evil rulers of the unseen world, those mighty satanic beings and great evil princes of darkness who rule this world, and against huge numbers of wicked spirits in the spirit world. That's what's going on. That's a weird passage, isn't it? The only thing more weird, it's true. Our fight is not with each other and other people who don't believe. It's much bigger in conflict. So look at what Nehemiah faced and in turn what we can also expect to face. Look at verse 1 of chapter 4, Nehemiah. When Sanballat heard, this is one of the governors, heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was very incensed. He ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of his associates with the army of Samaria, you can see where he was the governor of, he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? And you can see him kind of mounting some, a, a little bit of momentum. And then Tobiah, another governor, the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. I just kind of picture him like a Barney Five guy, you know. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. who are they? Who do they think they are? Just this little pencil neck of a guy and nothing, you know. But he's going to join in. He's going to join in. No, they're not going to take away our power. What you can expect from the opposition, you believers, disciples of Jesus, you can expect enemy anger. It's going to come. You speak the name of Jesus in a public setting, you can expect enemy anger. Both Nehemiah and our current opposition today was and is greatly incensed with your allegiance to Jesus. They can't stand it. And we can expect enemy ridicule. There was and will be name-calling and attacks on our purpose, and attacks on our worship, and attacks on our goals, attacks on the amount of work that we have to do to speak to this perverse generation. And you can expect attacks on any efforts that we do make. Look at verse 7. When Sabalat and Tobiah, those are the ones that we've already spoken of, when Sabalat and Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's wall had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. So what can you expect? Enemy growth. In other words, the opposition will try to find additional forces to bolster their position, to join in. Look at verse 8. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. So you can expect enemy 
unity. People who normally would rarely associate with one another now unite against us. We saw that with Jesus, with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Pharisees and Sadducees didn't want have anything to do with each other. But when they found that common enemy, boy, they just came right together and worked together like a sewing machine. Look at verses 10, 10 and 12. Meanwhile, the people of Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. And there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over. I want to make sure I haven't forgot something. They told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. So another expectation of opposition, you can expect the enemy influence to actually spread even into our own ranks. And we'll begin to start listening to the lies. Fellow Jews were raising up against, rising up against one another. And that can be expected in the church today, too. Look at verse 11. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we'll be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to the work. Now, I feel like i got to pause here just a second because one thing you can expect is to be blindsided by enemy threats. But you need to remember, our spiritual enemy can talk a big talk, but he can't do anything anything without permission from our Father. Nothing that comes to you is a surprise to God. He's allowed it. What does come our way is part of a bigger picture that God is using for His glory and our joy. So enemy anger, ridicule, enemy growth, unity, influence, enemy threats will come but we are not without recourse. Look at Nehemiah's godly responses to opposition. Back in verse 4. Hear us, our God. He need not say anymore. Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. Our first response to opposition is always prayer. Prayer first. Nehemiah knows that his enemies were really fighting against God, so he's saying, God, would you deal with this? He used the opposition against him to direct him right back to the source of what he was doing. The enemy will fa we face will not oppose us for a short, brief encounter. I wish I could tell you that. I wish I could tell you it's just going to be for a brief moment. In, in terms of eternity, yeah, it's not a drop in the bucket. But in terms of what we understand in time on earth, we are called, the, the, the opposition we face, it calls us to endurance. From a commander in the Marine Corps at an officer's graduation service at Quantico came this statement, never go into an hour-long battle with 10 minutes worth of ammunition. Our first choice to pray and to pray often taps us into a never-ending resource of ammunition, ammunition to combat all of the enemy's schemes. Look at verse 9. But we prayed to our God, 
and posted a guard day and night to meet his threat. Okay, pray first, but post a guard second, people. Don't just pray. Now, let's think about this. Isn't that what church activities and events are all about? Isn't that a, a form of posting guards? Think about it. We regularly take communion to remember Christ's blood and body and blood. Lest we forget our covering and our purpose and the person who conquered death for us where we're going. We attend our watch parties. We participate in Bible studies. We go to our youth groups and our men's groups and our women's groups. We are a part of our um, uh, prayer chains and connections through social medias. Why? We're posting guards. We're posting guards because we want our children and our marriages and our families protected. We want our faith to stand against the strategies and the tricks of the devil. We want to win in the fight against temptation and the pull of this wicked generation. We pray, yeah, but we post guards too. All right, look at verse 13. Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, and your wives, and your homes. A godly response to opposition is to make sure you are giving and receiving reinforcement and reassurance. During World War I, a British commander was preparing to lead his soldiers back into battle after a time of furlough. And it was a cold, rainy, muddy day. And the, shoulder, uh, the soldiers' shoulders, I can't say that very well, the, the shoulders were sagging and their spirits were down. They were thinking about what was ahead, all the mud and the blood and the possible death. No one was talking, no one was singing, it was a heavy time. And as they marched, the soldiers' heads were down. They were just looking at their feet and where they were walking in front of them. The commander noticed as they went through this village that there was, it was all bombed and terrible, but there was a church, the, the church building, the, the roof was gone and the walls were gone, but there against the back wall was a crucifix still standing, a stark statue of Christ on the cross, unaffected by all of the bombing in the area. And the commander wrote about this and said, at that moment, something happened to me. He said, I remembered the one who suffered and died and rose for me, and there was victory already. There was triumph already. And as my troops marched along behind me, I shouted, eyes right, march. And of course, everybody lifted and looked, and they saw it. He said, every eye looked at that figure Christ on the cross. And he said, my company was instantly transformed. They saw the life after death. They saw the joy after suffering. Shoulders began to straighten. Chins began to lift. And revival and restoration began to return. They needed the reinforcement. They needed that reassurance. Why do you think we do these things every week? Look at verse 16. From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. 
Properly responding to opposition will also include assigning different responsibilities, some to work, some to protect. Same goal, just different roles. Like we said last week, no one can do everything, but everyone can do something. Take a turn at the work and then take a turn at protecting so others can work. Look at verse 19. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out. We are, spread, we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So there was an effort to establish warning signals. With us being widely separated because of this dreaded pandemic, everything else that's going on in our world right now, we need to devise warning signals to bring rescue and aid. It's why we provide meals for people who are going through it. It's why financial peace is offered in a small group when people are drowning in debt. It's why marriage classes are offered so people can come together to prevent further damage in their home. Sound the alarms for people needing assistance. And finally, look at verse 21. So we continued the work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so that they can serve us as guards by night and as workers by day. Neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon even when he went for water. Whatever, be on alert. My mom said, this world needs more alerts. Everybody needs to be alert. <laughs> Plan for the attacks to come and be ready with an already planned countermeasure. God has called each of us to join him in some area of life, whether it's individually or it's collectively. And with opposition coming, we need to be thinking about these responses. Your opposition isn't a if, it's a when. It's like Colonel George Gothels, the man responsible for completing the Panama Canal. He faced so much opposition in that project, namely the climate and the geography, but he was under heavy criticism from his fellow Americans back home who predicted this project's never going to be over. And one day a colleague came to him and said, aren't you going to answer these critics? And in time, Gothels answered. He said, his partner said, uh, no, he said, I'll answer them in time. And the partner said, when? And Gothels said, when the canal is finished. Some, you guys, I think sometimes the best answer is to say nothing and just get on with it. Let's just complete the task. Let's just finish the job and let that be our answer. A psychiatrist in Canada named John White, who was a professor at the University of Manitoba, who authored several Christian books on Christian living, made a statement. I want us to end our time together with this. I'm telling you what, this is going to blow your ears back. Look what he said. You have established a new relationship with the powers of darkness. 
whatever you were before you were a Christian, straight, horoscope reader, witch, warlock, or Satanist, you are now a sworn foe of the legions of hell. Have no delusions about their reality or their hostility, but do not fear them. The God alone, the God inside of you terrifies them. They cannot touch, touch you or uh, let alone hurt you, but they can still seduce you and they will try. They will also oppose you as you obey Christ. If you play it cool and decide not to be a fanatic about Christianity, you'll have no trouble from them. But if you are serious about Christ being your Lord and God, you can expect opposition. Opposition in bringing God's kingdom in heaven to earth can be expected. But it's important to remember our King of Kings has already bought our freedom. He's already paid the debt. He's already done the miracle. He's already conquered death. He's already seen the ending. He's already seen us through. He's already on the move. He's already won our battles. He's already paved the way. He's already gone ahead of us, and he's ready when you are. Are you ready? Father, make us ready. Make us ready. Make us not just drift through life and coast into death. Make us people that make the most of every moment we have until we see you face to face. In Jesus we pray. Amen.